Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. Westside's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy and thanks for tuning in. Good morning, Westside. Thanks for inviting me back. It's lovely to be with you. And um, I was here a couple weeks ago for Brooks and Christie's last service. That was emotional. PTSD, trauma, triggering, you guys, yeah. Um, it was wonderful. I was texting a little bit with Brooks uh, today and, and the last couple days. So, um, yeah, um, it's, a pl- it's a privilege to be able to be here. And um, I know how much uh, your leaders here in this church love you and care about you. And so we trust God. Um, happy Mother's Day, moms in the room. Yeah, I hope you guys had a, had a good day. Mother's Day is always a tricky day um, because for some people, Mother's Day is a great source of joy and love and affection. And uh, for others, Mother's Day can be painful for a variety of reasons. I have a friend I talked to this morning at church, my church that I go to, who lost his mom two years ago. So second Mother's Day without his mom. I have some friends who... Um, don't have good relationships with their mothers or didn't have a good mother or had an absent mother. I have some friends, uh, uh, many of you probably do too, who had a hard time becoming mothers. And so these are challenges. So Mother's Day is, is a day where we recognize like all the great parents, the great mothers that we've had. Um, but it's also a time where we care and love for people who haven't had that same experience, you know, just be considerate. To them, And I'm really excited to read the scriptures with you today. Uh, we're reading a passage, probably the most explicit passage in the Bible, on demon possession. So happy Mother's Day. <laughs> it's just how the calendar worked out. I, I was exchanging emails with Gianna earlier, and I was like, hey, thanks a lot. This is lovely. <clears throat> I was thinking, <clears throat> how can I relate Mother's Day to demon possession And I was thinking, you know, well, you have, you know, uh, when you're pregnant, you sort of have something inside of you, and then at a certain point, it needs to be exercised. Although I feel like that's getting a little graphic, and also comparing babies to demons, which I feel like I don't want to go there. So um, Angie Anderson, I I heard, had the the greatest line when I I was sharing this with Kyle. Kyle said, um, you know what my wife Angie says? She says, it's called delivery for a reason. (laughs) And I was like, perfect. So um, you guys are working your way through Mark, the book of Mark. Um, It's one of my my four favorite gospels. There are four gospels. And we're in Mark chapter five. If you have your Bible, you can open that up. And we're gonna read uh, a short section um, uh, from from Mark chapter five today. Um, This, yeah, this is the most, probably the most detailed and explicit section about demon possession um, in the scriptures. And Uh, at least that I'm aware of, there may be some other ones, but this one stands out as being very descriptive. Um, And I also would add too that, um, you know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of a lay person. I don't work for a church. I I, I read a lot and I've done my best to read and think about the scriptures throughout my life. Um, But I have to admit, I'll I'll admit to you guys that that the topic of demons and demon possession is a little bit uh, overwhelming and kind of scary. And it's kind of creepy, and, and, and I do believe that there are demonic forces in the world. 
that would pull us or seek to disrupt our lives in ways that are very damaging to both ourselves and the people that we interact with. So I think this stuff's really serious and I take it really seriously and I also don't consider myself an expert. So we're gonna read this together. And I, I, think the, I thank God that we have a Holy Spirit that, that I think can, try, can communicate uh, things to us even when we're reading passages that are intimidating and kind of heavy and kind of difficult to understand. But let's read this passage and we'll make a few observations from this section of scripture, okay? So Mark chapter five says this. They, meaning Jesus and the disciples, went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. When Jesus asked him, uh, I'm sorry, then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down a steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis, uh, that's the 10, the Decapolis, Decapolis, that's the 10 cities, um, how much Jesus had done for him. And all of the people uh, were amazed. Can we say amen together? Amen. All right, well, well, hey, there's a few... Um, there's a, few sec- there's a few observations that, if you don't mind, I'd like to just share as I was thinking about this passage this week that came to mind. So um, I'm a high school teacher. I, I teach um, <clears throat> social studies, and um, I've been able to teach college-level political science classes for uh, quite a long time. And one of the things that I've come across uh, 
frequently is that political scientists will say that democracy contains within itself the seeds of its own destruction. Meaning democracy in its very nature contains within itself the capacity and the ability to destroy itself. We know many tyrants and dictators and authoritarians have come to power in democracies in legitimate ways. They're voted into office and once in office they begin to destroy and break down uh, institutions. So I think that we are the same way. G Jesus, God in his, in his wisdom, gave us this ability to make choices in our life. And have you ever seen someone make a bad choice? In, in the same way democracy contains within itself the seeds of its own destruction, we too contain within ourselves the seeds of our own destruction. When we seek out things, um, when we seek out things that, that, that harm us and harm others, we can destroy ourselves and destroy others in the process. But God, in his, in his infinite wisdom, and I have to ask, I have to admit, I, I wonder why sometimes he did this. He gave us the ability to choose these things. And there's differing degrees. In a lot of ways, when I was thinking about this poor man, and I, I had a ton of sympathy for this guy um, as I was reading this week. I had a ton of sympathy for this guy, and I'll talk more about that in just a minute. But, but before I talk about this, can we talk about what a pain in the neck this guy would have been for the people he lived nearby? This guy was violent, he was angry, he refused to be limited in any way by other people. It says that he broke chains and he was breaking iron with his hands and feet. Um, he was wild, he was uncontrollable, he would yell, he would harm himself. I mean, these, 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 these afflictions that this poor guy had um, and, I, and I don't want to pretend like I know how a demon came to reside in this person's body or his mind. But um, he, he came to a place where he was really unwell and he made the people that he lived nearby also really unwell. He was, he was hard to live with. Um, and he, 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 he had to, I, I feel like I'm safe saying this. I mean, my assumption is he had to, in some ways, invited these things into his own life. You know, I don't know, I could be wrong on that, but it seems like he had to at some point drifted towards these things in, will, in a willful way. Um, and I don't know how all this works, but, 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 but I do notice here, and I think, I think it's really important for us to point out, and it's in the text in the original language, I even looked it up. Um, but the text uses two different terms here for what was going on in this guy's life. One is demon possession, but did you notice the other? He was possessed by an impure spirit, or the NIV says evil spirit. And, and I think that being possessed by a demon is, 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 is sort of like the extreme end of the spectrum. But I, I can recognize times in my life where I've felt a, you know, a bias or a draw or an impulse towards an impure feeling, towards an impure spirit. Have you, have you guys, am I the only one in the room? Where, where like something impure, I feel like a draw towards it. And sometimes I can even recognize times in my life where I've given in to that impure spirit, that impure action. And, and I think, I think it's, it's, it's powerful. I also think it's powerful, the name of the, of the demon, that the demon gives us a name here. Amazingly, Jesus says, what's your name? 
and the demon says legion. That's a reference, that's a military reference. The Roman, a Roman uh, regiment of troops called a legion would have had around 6,000 troops, they say. I think this is, this is telling. Um, it communicates dominance. There's a, there's a military dominance. There's an occupation of this person by a legion of demons. Um, there are parallels to the experience of the, of, the, of the Israelite, of the Jews at this time. They're being occupied by Rome, right? And, and it communicates this really important reality for this poor man is that this guy was being massively oppressed by a major force and he was not in control and he did not have the capacity to free himself. He could not fix himself. And I don't know about you, but I sort of pride myself on feeling like I can solve most of my problems. You, you guys like that too? You're American, so I know you are. Like, we don't need anybody's help from anybody. We can do this thing, right? Isn't that kind of a core American value, the rugged individualism? Like, we don't need to ask for help. We can figure this out. We, no, what we do is we find our bootstraps and we pull ourselves up. And anybody who can't figure out life, they're weak. They, oh, you need help from somebody? No, 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 we don't need help here, right? And we judge people for that. The reality is this guy's life was being dominated by a legion of demons. I love that because the Christian message is that you cannot fix yourself. You do not have the capacity to save yourself, but thank God that he has grace on us and he can do the thing that we can't do. So I don't know, I don't wanna suggest that we're all like demon possessed, but I do wanna suggest that we can relate to this poor man who's suffering in ways that he, he, he's incapable of, of, of remedying the problem. He's overwhelmed. And I think we find ourselves in similar uh, cases often. Let's focus on the ailments of the man with the impure spirit. I wrote in my notes, he's self-destructive. He's suffering. He has poor mental health. Um, he's violent, he's angry, he's agitated, he's, he's self-harming, he's socially ostracized, probably by choice, but also not by choice. Um, he's damaged and broken every relationship in his life. And he's religiously unclean. The fact that he lived among the tombs is mentioned twice. Did you guys know that? You, you guys may be familiar with the scriptures. You might know that if you read the Old Testament, the Torah, there's many sections, including Leviticus chapter 11, chapter 22, Numbers chapters 5, 6, and 9, and Isaiah 65, which says that any kind of contact with, with, with dead bodies or anything related to dead bodies would make you ritually unclean and unworthy to be a part of the church, of the synagogue. In fact, I even have a, I have, I have a verse here, Isaiah 65, four, I think we have it. It condemns those who sit among the graves and spend their nights keeping secret vigil, who eat the flesh of pigs. Sound familiar, by the way? Pigs are also seen as unclean. So the fact that the demons have ordered this person to live among the tombs in the cemetery and then they beg Jesus to cast them into pigs. What's this scripture trying to say to the, to the readers who understood this culture? 
that these, these are impure and evil spirits that are at play, okay? And they're corrupting this person. Now, now we don't all suffer from demon possession. I don't believe that to be true. But I do think that we, again, can relate to this person. I'm trying to build some relationship for us. And I just ask you to re- reflect on your life. I mean, have you... I trust that you have, but can you relate to this person? He's self-destructive. He has poor mental health. He is violent and angry. He's agitated. He harms himself. Physically, it says he cuts himself with stones. He's socially ostracized of his own volition, but also probably people ostracize for him because he's hard to live with and be around. He has damaged and broken relationships and he feels like he can't go to church because he's not clean. And I just read that list of ailments and I feel for this poor guy. Like I feel for him. And I'm sure he had some level of participation in, in, in the impurity and, and that is how he resulted in the way that he was. I don't know that to be a fact, but I'm I'm assuming. But I I don't know about you, but I can relate to feeling in some of the ways that that he feels. And thank God that Jesus has something to say about his present reality. Jesus has some power over this. Um... Now, I don't, I don't want to be, dis, you know, I don't want to be irresponsible stretching this text farther than it, it, it needs to go, but I do, I do want to share one thought that I've had as we, as we have, um, uh, you know, engaged with this text as a potential application for us. If you've been possessed or obsessed with an impure spirit, I, I think about the impure spirits of this world like success, like success and status of success or, or money, um, or, or, you know, pornography, or our appearance, or, um, you know, our, our, our elevating political partisanship above God. And I think about how, isn't it true that, that when we engage with these impure spirits in, in really meaningful ways, isn't it true that oftentimes we result in the same kind of ailments that this poor guy has? Like, if you engage in, and you're obsessed with impure spirits of these things that I just mentioned, like, like being obsessed with money or being obsessed with food or being obsessed with our appearances or, or et cetera, isn't it true that it can result in the ailments, self-destructiveness and damaged and broken relationships and feeling ritually unclean or religiously unclean or agitated or self-harm? Isn't it true that being obsessed with these things can lead us to be angry people or anxious people when we engage with these impure spirits. Now, I don't know if these impure spirits of like, you know, you know, partisan devotion, where it becomes like religious. Like, I don't know if these impure, I don't know if it's like demonic possession. I don't know if we can go that far. But I do think that we, when we engage with, and I'm a, you know, teach political science here, so, you know, hear me out. But when we engage with these, with these spirits and we elevate them above God, we become people who get angry really easy, don't we? And agitated and anxious and upset. It causes ostracization. We can't, we can't, we can't be in the same room with people, either self-induced or others-induced. We have broken relationships. 
or damaged relationships. And I just, I just, as I was thinking about this this week, I was thinking about all the things that we engage in that maybe we could classify as an impure spirit. And Christians, we are called to ask God to help us to be delivered from these things. I just feel, you know, if you don't mind, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a prayer for us. Is that okay? I'm just gonna say a prayer. Can we all close our eyes together? And Lord, we come before you with humility and grace and love and we ask you, in the same way this person ran up to you, amazingly, he ran up to you and then the demons spoke. There's a, there's a breakdown, there's a tension, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a disagreement within this person. Jesus comes and the man runs from afar to Jesus. And as soon as he comes, he kneels before Jesus and what does he say? The demons begin taking over and they say, don't torture us, don't kick us out. There's this, there's this tension. The man wants Jesus, desperately wants Jesus and the demons are desperately afraid of Jesus because they know he has, they have, he has power over them. Lord, as we, we have our eyes closed, Lord, if there's anybody here in the room and you, and you can just put your hand over your heart if you like or, or just signify something to the Lord, raise a finger, he'll see it. If there's anybody in the room, Lord, who recognizes there are some impure spirits that have caught hold of us, you know, that have become a part and they're resulting in bad fruit, fruit like anger and anxiety and self-harm and it's damaging our relationships and we're, we're cut off from people. God, we pray that you would deliver us from those impure spirits, God. Help us to order our life in a way that would be obsessed with love and only love Jesus. And for anybody in this room that prayed that prayer sincerely with us, Lord, we say amen and we trust good things, Lord. Help us to be strong, Lord. Amen, amen. I just prayed my second point, or my next point, I'm sorry. Isn't it amazing? The guy like runs up to Jesus and is like, Jesus! And he's like, <laughs> right? And then he falls on his knees before Jesus. And then the demons take over. You can see the, the, the division within his own self. He's being dominated. You can see it within his own self. He recognizes the desperate need for help, but he can't, he can't overpower this, this, this addiction this demon that's inside of him. He can't overpower this thing. And I think it's just amazing that Mark has an impure spirit. <laughs> Mark, Mark is an amazing gospel. It's one of my top fours. I said that already once. But he, he has in Mark chapter five, an impure spirit is recognizing Jesus as the holy one of God. An impure spirit, an evil spirit. Do you know the first person in the book of Mark to recognize that Jesus was from God and the savior of the world was a demon? Amazing. And the religious folks are the ones that strung him up on a cross and killed him. Amazing. Makes me think of James chapter two, verse 19. We have this here. I, I sense a little sarcasm in this. But James says, you believe that there's one God? Good. 
Even the demons believe that and shudder. Amazing. For James, the belief is just the beginning. Oh, you believe in God? Sweet. So do the most evil creatures ever created. What are you gonna do next? And Mark, Mark reiterates this in Mark chapter one, verse 24, and then again in Mark chapter five. But it's amazing that the demon recognizes Jesus' authority over him. The gospel of Mark goes to great lengths to emphasize that Jesus is Lord in many places. And, and I know we just had Easter, so you don't wanna go, I mean, you might not want to go back and reread the, 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 the week before uh, Jesus is crucified in the, cha- in, in, in the book of Mark, but I'd encourage you guys to go back to Mark chapter 10, 11, 12, 13, as Jesus comes from the triumphal entry to the cross and, and reread through that section and, 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 and read with this lens of authority. Because I would make an argument that, there, that there's, there's a bunch of themes that are going on, but the theme of authority is all over the place. Jesus has authority over all things. And it's a competition where things that don't have authority are trying to challenge Jesus. And Jesus is like, nope, I got authority. There's this one really weird story where Jesus is walking around and he sees a fig tree. Have you guys heard this story before? I'm getting completely distracted. Is that okay? You're like, no, just end the service, jerk face. Um, Anyways, I'm going to tell you. Is it okay if I tell you? Okay, so in Mark, Jesus is walking around. He sees a fig tree. He's like, figs. Yay, I like figs. So he says he walks. It says Jesus was hungry, Um, (laughs) which I think is funny. Jesus was hungry, so he walks a, a distance to the fig tree. And it also says that the figs, it was not the right time of the year for figs. And so there's no figs on the tree. Do you remember what Jesus does? He curses the tree. Now that is just a weird story because I feel like the poor tree, like the tree wasn't doing anything wrong. It just didn't, it wasn't fig season. And Jesus curses the tree. And then, it go, and then they walk away. People are like, wow, he must've been hangry. Um, he was hangry. Um, and, and then, okay, and then a couple verses later, do you know what happens? It says the disciples were walking by that same fig tree and what happened to the fig tree? It had withered up and died. I always feel bad for the tree. And I also wonder, what, what are we supposed to take away from the cursing of the fig tree? It's right in the middle of these, of these, of these, of these chapters that are all about Jesus' authority. The Pharisees are challenging Jesus' authority and Jesus is like, no, trust me, I'm in charge. And I think, I think my, my theory, and I could be wrong on this, but my theory is that the story of the fig tree is to show that Jesus Christ has a power over life and death of every living creature. And if Jesus says live, you're gonna live. And if Jesus says don't live, you're not gonna live. The entire book of Mark, this theme runs through it. Jesus, Jesus is in charge. Jesus is in charge and the demons know it. The demons know that God is in charge and they shudder. Human beings that know that Jesus is in charge, we shouldn't pat ourselves on the back, but we should ask ourselves, because we know that Jesus is in charge, how do our actions different? How are we changed persons? Amen? Let's focus on the man here. So the man gets delivered, amazingly. And... um, I, I think this last little paragraph here is so, uh, so remarkable, you know, chapter 18, or I'm sorry, chapter five, verse 18. Because the man comes to Jesus, he, you know, the, Jesus is leaving at the request of the crowds. We'll talk about the crowds. That'll be my last little point of emphasis here. 
But the man, the man approaches Jesus in the boat and he's like, I wanna come with you. It says he begged him. Um, he begged him to come with him. There's a lot of begging going on in this, by the way, if you go back and read through here. The man begged to go with him on the boat and Jesus says, no. How many places in the Bible do you see Jesus say, hey, everybody stop what you're doing and follow me? He says that all the time, doesn't he? Here, we got a guy who had just been delivered from a legion of demons and he says, I wanna follow you. And Jesus says, no. What does Jesus tell him to do? I want you to go home. Sometimes I wonder if the religious thing is way easier than the real work of actually living your life day by day devoted to Jesus. It's easy to be a Christian at church, maybe. It's pretty darn hard at home. And think about this guy, too. Think about what he had to go home to. Can you imagine? The people tried to chain you up. You were attacking them. You were living in the tombs. And Jesus says, I want you to go home. Think about the work required for this man to stay. Sometimes Christians, I think that being, you know, doing kind of the quote unquote Christian thing is kind of a cop out so that we don't have to go home and actually live a real practical life as a Christian because that is so much harder. Go home, go to work. And I love what Jesus says too. He says, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Go home and tell them all the stuff that God has done for you. Sometimes the most Christian thing that you and I can do is number one, allow Jesus to radically change our life. And then number two, go home and live like it's been changed. Go to work and live like it's been changed. And I wanna close by considering the crowds. The crowds have two responses to this, by the way. Well, maybe three, actually, as I'm thinking here, I got a third. Okay, the first one, um, the people were scared. Yeah, they were afraid. It's actually quite amazing. Those tending the pigs, that was the third one, by the way, it just came to my mind. The people tending the pigs. If you're a pig farmer and Jesus sent a legion of demons into your pigs and they all jumped off a cliff and drowned themselves, how are you feeling? Like, that's my, those are my pigs. <laughs> like, this is a cool miracle, like high five and everything, but um, that's a lot of money. <laughs> Okay, 2,000 pigs. Anyways, that one, that's why I only had two because the third one wasn't really, well, relevant actually, maybe. Let's move on. So those who are tending the pigs just saw the craziest thing. They're like, holy moly, that was crazy. Let's go tell people. And so the people run out. They came to Jesus and they saw the man who was possessed, the demon sitting there dressed in his right mind and they were afraid. They saw a miracle and they were afraid. 
Verse 17, and then the people began to plead with Jesus. What are they gonna plead with Jesus? They're begging Jesus. See, I told you begging comes up. What are they begging? Oh, Jesus, stay with us forever. Oh, Jesus, save us. Oh, Jesus, cast out demons from my brother. He's weird. No, they plead with him to leave. The people's reaction was fear. Pro tip in the book of Mark. Did you know fear and faith are juxtaposed in the book of Mark? Just look at a couple verses here. I know Sarah preached last week here and she would have read these verses. But, but look at this verse, Matthew 4, um, sorry, Mark 4, verse 40. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Don't you still have faith? Fear and faith are balanced in this text. So what does that mean that, that these people are saying to Jesus? Jesus cast out the demons and they run to him and they're scared and then they beg him to leave. What does that say? It says they don't have much faith, right? Is that fair to say? But look, they have another reaction and this is where it gets so beautiful. I'm gonna read the end of it here. Can I just, I'm just gonna read this. I know I've read this three times. I'm gonna do it one more time. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him. But he said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Verse 20, so then the man did it. He went away and he began to tell the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And catch this last little phrase. And all the people were amazed. They were amazed. And I just love that. Because they were afraid. And miracles are kind of scary. They can be, I, I assume. This would have been very scary. And this guy had a long road to go, right? I mean, he was really unhealthy. And was the victim of intense suffering. And horrible, you know, acts of violence and anger and, 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 and rejection and damaged relationships. But he, 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 he obeyed Jesus, you know? He, he was delivered from evil and he went home and he, he did his best to face the consequences of his action. You know, have you heard people talk about cancel culture lately? You heard that? I'm fine with that, whatever. But do you think some people might say, you know, use that term when they don't want to deal with the consequences of their action? Do you think this guy had consequences to his actions? What if he started crying about being canceled? All I did was break one little ankle bracket and violently attack hundreds of people and you guys are gonna be treating me differently. Well, we have consequences, right? When we make choices. But Jesus says, I want you to go home and experience the consequences of your actions as a changed and renewed person. And do you see what happened in the people? We participate with the salvation and the amazement of God's people when we live redeemed life. Do you see that? This guy was delivered from evil and Jesus says, go home, and he did it. And through that, the people's reaction changed from fear to amazement.
And that's, as followers of Christ, that's how we get to live our life. Tomorrow morning when you go to work, that's how you get to live your life. When you get together with your friends, when you go to the grocery store, you get to choose whether you have a, a redeemed and lo a loving life. And when you live in that way, what it does is it absolutely amazes people. Amen? I'm gonna say a prayer and I'll invite the band to come up. We're gonna sing a, a one more song together. Um, but but uh, I know this was kind of a weird passage to read on Mother's Day. And I won't even try to connect these two anymore because I feel like I'm a big fan of babies. So, um, But, uh, you know, um, I do think it shows the power of God and also the power of a life that has been impacted by God. And may we be people who um, live lives that are impacted by him. Let's say a prayer together. Lord, uh, we thank you so much for your scripture which leads us to truth, the kind of truth that changes us. And we, we thank you for being able to gather this afternoon to examine your scripture and to see what we can pull out and take away from uh, this text. And God, we see um, some parallels with this poor man who, 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 who's suffering for who knows you know, exactly how he got into these circumstances, but he, he was suffering from a lot of different types of, of challenges in his life, both personal but also interpersonal. And you, 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 know, you showed up in a boat and he came to you and he was delivered. He needed help and he got help from you, Lord. And Lord, I, 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 I have a feeling like many of us in the room can, can, can relate in some way to him. Maybe we wouldn't say that we're suffering from like a demon in our, in our body, but maybe, maybe we can feel like some of the ailments he went through, we, we've been there before, we're, or we're there right now. We've lost relationship with someone we care about deeply. And maybe we've lost relationship with someone we care about deeply because, because, because we've been engaging with an impure, something impure, you know? Or, 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 maybe, or maybe we lost relationship with someone we care about because they've been engaging with something that's impure. And we really need you to come into our lives, God, and deliver us. We wanna run to you and fall on our knees and ask you to save us. Even though that thing still has a hold on us, you have authority and you have power. And God, we wanna, we wanna look at you and, and we wanna hear you say to us, like, go home. Like, restore to us our homes. Help us to be brave, to deal with the consequences of our actions, Lord, but deal with them in, in, in a new way, in a brave way, in a courageous way, in a way that's been strengthened by you in a way that will amaze the people in our lives at what a change that's been made because of your love. And we thank you for all of these things, Lord, these difficult prayers. We just have trust in you, God, that, you, that you're there with us through it all. And we thank you for these things, Lord.